it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to this, this is the Often Daunted Podcast hosted by me, your host, Burke White. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I am catching up on some recaps as I had missed some uh, earlier this week, and I appreciate you for giving me the listen nonetheless. I am going to be hitting you with two recaps today, one being a lot more fun to talk about than the other, for sure. I'll be uh, discussing the Illini letdown, what could have been an awesome win on the belt of Indiana, an awesome notch on the belt of this Indiana's team's resume come March. Uh, just slip through our fingers there, and then I'll be digging into the bittersweet victory. But very, the sweet parts were very sweet. The bitter parts were very bitter. This was very bittersweet. The bittersweet victory over Iowa. Mike Woodson finally notching that name off his list, getting the win over Iowa for the first time. Right after those two recaps, I will be digging into some of the Indiana news out there, some of the news around the program. Uh, just whatever may be out there for you to hear before getting into some of the conference-wide news. Headlines since the last time of our recording. Following that, I'm going, I am going to get into a preview of the upcoming game with Penn State. And before we get you out of here, I will get you a Hoosier history hit. Thank you again so much for giving the Often Daunted podcast a listen. If you like the show, please feel free to subscribe. Leave a five-star review. If you hate the show, forget I said anything about leaving your thoughts about the show. Thank you so much. Let's get into that Illini game. All right, right at the top, like this, hey, we saw adjustments, I will say. I, I am grateful to Mike Woodson because we did see adjustments made in this game. For one thing, Anthony Walker, again, getting the start over Peyton Sparks in Kalel's a- absence. Anthony's able to do more offensively, for sure, with his time on the floor. And honestly, at times, he does bring a consistent effort that you would expect out of an upperclassman. And uh, I like him filling into this starting spot when one of our just premier guys is down. Yeah, as was the case with Kalel being gone with the ankle injury in this game. And just like more on Mike Woodson's adjustments, he made adjustments in how he was going to manage the game. Just a shining example of that was the timeout. It was the timeout. A timeout that we've seen him just refuse to call in, in, in games prior. It was the best used timeout we've seen for some time. And uh, Illinois was crawling back into the lead as the first half went on. Mike called the timeout right before Illinois could close the gap entirely. I mean, they eventually did. They won the game. But <laughs> I guess you're, you're just looking to see that there is a sign of this team making adjustments to what isn't working. And uh, I'm, I'm starting with the silver linings here in this Illini game. And I'm going to say, hey, that timeout call was just an absolutely <laughs> refreshing thing to see Mike Woodson pull. Oh, yeah. I didn't even say the score. The Illinois fighting Illini 70 at home versus Indiana with 62. The, the single biggest adjustment was just the uh, manner in which he was going to manage the minutes. Credit to Mike Woodson. Like, I was so glad to see Malik stay in the game for as long as he did. Like, despite getting in foul trouble, which earlier, throughout every incident of this this season, we've seen Mike Woodson foul his own guys out. Foul his own guys out of opportunities to maximize their what they can bring to the game, what they can bring to the bottom line of the score. He, he just fouled him out himself. Like, uh, the worst was McKenzie ending that last, uh, I think, two games ago. McKenzie was fouled out early or subbed out early and ended the night with three fouls. Like, that, that's so sad. Credit to Mike Woodson for making the adjustment in his mindset and uh, him being able to let Malik navigate foul trouble a bit. We got to maximize the minutes that we, we were able to get to a absolute to an absolutely certified dude in this conference now. Malik Renew, absolute dude in this conference. 
Speaking of, Malik Renew in this game, 21 points, 7 rebounds. Malik Renew just put on an absolute performance, and uh, unfortunately there just wasn't enough elsewhere, especially from beyond the arc. Good Lord, there was no help from beyond the arc. And, I, like, literally no help. It is a historically lack of help. <laughs> this, I mean, the three-pointers, the three-pointers, the three-pointers. This was Indiana's first game since 2010 where the Hoosiers didn't sink a three-pointer. After this game, I was just I was just so beside myself. I'm like, man, three opportunities to get decent resume building wins, something to just, like, you know, gain some traction with. And Indiana had three historic losses. You talk about the 21-point defeat at the hands of Purdue in Assembly Hall. Now, they say, everyone keeps saying, this is the worst loss in Assembly Hall. Like, no, like, it's such a bigger deal than that. <laughs> it's such a bigger deal than that. It's the worst loss since, like, 1934. So it's like the worst loss in the prior four buildings that Indiana basketball may have played in. After that, you go into Wisconsin, and you absolutely hit another historic milestone on the program where uh, Indiana has now lost 20 straight to Wisconsin. After that, you get into the Illinois game, and you don't hit a three-pointer. It has just been the saddest bingo card <laughs> that this Indiana team has drawn this season. And that, that, that's legitimately just how I felt. I just felt this is ridiculous after these three games. And you'll never guess, but... Uh, in that Illinois game, the Hoosiers continued to be downright dreadful at, at the charity stripe. Downright dreadful. 12 for 22 as a team. I went to my daughter's sixth grade basketball game just Sunday, and I was counting. I was counting the free throws. They were 6 for 10. 6 for 10. 6 for 10 is better than 12 for 22. That's just It's just sad how inept this team is at times. I mean, I say at times, how inept this team has been at the free throw line. It's a team-wide case of the yips because there's no other explanation. These guys each play basketball all their life. They know that free throws are the bread and butter. They are where you start. And uh, it's just insane how this team just has that hanging over their head every time they hit the floor this season. It was just absolutely on full display in Champaign. And the, the craziest thing about that Illinois game was just despite another loss with a historically embarrassing milestone with the zero three-pointers hit, I, I thought the Hoosiers looked far more ready to, for the fight over the course of the game than in both the games prior, than in either Purdue or Wisconsin. Indiana at least showed up with the uh, with the intention to compete, and, and I do credit the guys for having that, for being able to take that into Champaign. After this game, I genuinely was just thinking, like, it, it's looking more and more like it's win the Big Ten or bust as these just good wins kept sli just keep slipping away. They're becoming fewer and farther between. And Illinois was a huge blown opportunity. We were in that game. We could have gotten a resume-building win. A resume just uh, not even just something to start with. We don't have any great wins. Something to start with. And uh, just let it slip. In the Illinois game, like, Indiana's bench was downright abysmal. They, they truly were. Two points. Two points total for the bench. Two points against Illinois' 21. Luckily, that was able to change a bit come the uh, Iowa matchup. But, yeah, it, it just no support coming off the bench for the Hoosiers. And, uh... Yeah, you saw the result. The result was a game that Indiana could have won in Illinois. A game that was just within reach. But there's just so many of these little things that should free throws should be easier than they are for this team. And it's it's that, and it's just, you know, when it came down to crunch time, Xavier Johnson. Xavier Johnson missed both of his free throws to keep it within contention after he had a technical foul to end the first half. And, yeah, that technical foul was, it was bullshit. That was that bullshit call. That was weak. But, you know, Xavier Johnson objectively, whatever you think, he, he has lost the benefit of the doubt in the eyes of pretty much everyone when it, when it comes to technicals, when it comes to flagrants. You can't be surprised when those calls go the way that, I mean, he had, yeah, his, his play has, for better or worse, warranted skepticism around moves like that. 
I mean, d- despite that, Xavier was genu- he was bringing it. He 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 was being the Xavier we needed him to be, like in the offense in the Illinois game. With uh, he ended his night six for eleven, zero for two from three. He just cannot seem to hit the three. But ended his night with fourteen points. Fourteen points is like that. Yes, that's a, we would love to be able to rely on that from Xavier Johnson. Well, like following this game, yeah, it's just so crazy. The next, but <laughs> still, we're on the Illinois game. Xavier had an all-around great game offensively, other than what has been troubling this entire team, which was the free throws, two for seven on the night. While it wasn't a drastic, like he still had that technical that it made a difference down the end of this game when it was still close, like it did. But but I, I was very optimistic after his play in that game because I thought, all right, Xavier's finding it again. Xavier's finding a he's finding a motivation, like he want, he wants to get back in the good graces of this Indiana program, of this Indiana fan base, and he was he was truly playing like it. He was, and credit to him for that. Credit for credit to him for being able to bring that into Champagne for being able to find even just a shred of it. And if if, if we could have snowballed on that and this season could continue to snowball on that, that could be very great for this team that desperately needed that from the point guard position this season. But, I mean, after that injury, it looked pretty rough. That arm injury looked bad. So, well, I mean, I'll talk about it more in the in the Iowa recap. But, I mean, overall, I was very pleased with Xavier's game. I mean, just with this Xavier Johnson outing was commendable. No reason he needs my approval, but, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to give it to him for this game. That was a bullshit call, that technical. That being said, I understand why he got it. I do. It's it's all led up to him getting it, which is a shame because refs should call each game the same. But that just truly is not human nature. That is not how the game is going to be called. Mackenzie Mbako with 12 points on the night. 12 points is starting to become a typical Mackenzie outing. Now now I'm expecting more from him because uh, we need more. And uh, you know what? He he can absolutely provide more. He's he's gaining more and more confidence in his offensive game each game. And honestly, I feel like that's bleeding into his defensive game. He is finding his footing there. He is. It's not, he's not going to be locked down by any means come season end, but he's truly made strides from where he was. Do you have to remember how he was objectively unplayable in those first games, in his first games of college basketball? He's found a way to you know hold his own there, and uh, in turn he's able to put up bigger numbers. So great game for McKenzie offensively. Um, yeah, it was on four for fourteen from shooting, but we need him to get his shots up. We do. Yeah, get his shots up and get to the free throw line. Free throw line. He was four for four, perfect on the night. I think in the in the Iowa game they were talking about how he's the second second highest free free throw shooting percentage for any freshman in the country. Incredibly impressive. What was more impressive in this game was his 12 rebounds. Indiana is slowly cleaning up the boards a little bit harder. They they're bringing we're finding an attitude like this game into the Iowa game. You can see this Indiana team is bringing more effort there. They're making it more of a priority. Which I mean, rebounding the basketball should always be the the priority, but. <laughs> Indiana's been able to focus on it far better here in these last two games than the ones prior. Oh, for nine from three. Just just an incredible stat. Just an incredible stat and just a glaring reason Indiana fell to Illinois on this day. Let's get into the good, the bad, and the downright ugly for that one. The good, I'm going to say Malik Renew. Malik Renew, 8 for 12 from the floor, 21 points, just continues to make his name more and more known around this conference, around this country, and I am so pumped to see what his career becomes here in Indiana. I'm going to say that every opportunity I get on my show. The bad, bad bench production. Now, you know, two points from your bench should be downright ugly, but I don't expect much from this bench. I don't right now, because why, why can you? Why should you? I still have confidence that a lot of these guys can find the next step in their game. 
But right now, just the, you can't have confidence in these guys to produce all that much. I mean, but you have to have something. Two points is it's not nothing, but it's damn near nothing. The other bad, I'm going to say, yeah, I was just talking about McKenzie and finding his just attitude and just, you know, gumption on the boards just earlier. But, uh, yeah, Illinois absolutely cleaned up. They cleaned up, and uh, they cleaned up to the tune of 14 offensive boards. Those second-chance points absolutely gutted us and just, yeah, yeah, it, it's... That was 14 offensive rebounds in which in which Illinois scored 13 points. And for the Hoosiers, there was half that, seven offensive rebounds, in which we scored eight. So props for keeping the second-chance points battle as close as it was, all things considered, with the Hoosiers getting half the opportunities. But yeah, glad to see that the Hoosiers cleaned it up in the Iowa game to come, though. And the downright ugly, zero three-pointers. Zero three-pointers, zero three-pointers. Zero three-pointers. Zero three-pointers. Oh, right, on to that Iowa game. Hey, sorry if there was any, like, annoying scratching in the background for the recap of that Illinois game, but I had done that just holding my microphone because I had the digital microphone logged up into the stand just within the uh, transition of this. So I got, hey, mic's back on the stand. Shouldn't hear any of it from now on. So, uh, yeah, the Iowa game. Hey, it, it, what, a, what a bittersweet game you, you saw. The best and worst of this Indiana team in this game, and luckily the Hoosiers were able to come out with a victory. You, you saw it all. You saw Indiana just slip away Indiana's ability to slip away some of these leads they've been able to get is astounding you go to the restroom and the 17 point lead can be gone but but down the down the line when when I mean admittedly Iowa had a ton of momentum through several points of this game the Hoosiers really just put forth an effort that we've been longing to see that we desperately needed to start seeing at some point if we wanted to you know compete compete in this big 10 compete in you know still I still hold out hope that we can fight for a tournament bid. That's a big, big, big hope for me. But, uh, you know, not losing to Iowa at home is a start. It's a start. After those prior three games, those historic three losses, we needed something to start on. And uh, luckily, the Indiana Hoosiers were able to find that start with their 74-68 to victory over the Iowa Hawkeyes. Mike Woodson finally got one of the two remaining. I believe I've been saying that it's the last remaining, but I always forget about Northwestern. Sorry. Forgot about Northwestern. Like, I mean, honestly, a lot of the national media is right now. Can't blame me. Yeah, Mike Woodson got the win over Fran. Glad to see him get that notch in his belt. Now, I mean, on to Northwestern. We need to get that victory. Over the course of this game, I just wanted to start by saying Brian Butch. Just Brian Butch with his best Stephen Bardo impression throughout this game. Constantly just beating an obviously dead horse with the critiques he, he was giving throughout this one. Indiana came ready to fight in this game. Thank God for it. Like, I never want to see Peyton Sanford get another win in Assembly Hall as long as I live. Thank you, Mike, for making sure it wasn't this year. How do you, how do you know that Indiana was playing with some fight? Well, they absolutely dominated the rebounds. 32 defensive rebounds to Iowa's, to Iowa's 21. Iowa being able to cash in for four points on those 11. Indiana being able to cash in for 15 on those 13. Total rebound differential, Indiana 45, Iowa 32. Indiana being able to just muster up enough energy to fight for the boards in a manner that we've been, we, we just haven't seen yet. Admittedly, it was against freshman Owen Freeman, who Mbako like made a statement with that inbound play that, no, nah, I'm coming for that Big Ten title, for that Big Ten Freshman of the Year title. <laughs> Some of the dormant, you know, frustrations with this team still were just apparent before I just start, you know, waxing poetic about this Indiana victory as I will. Oh, my God, I almost forgot. You know what an Indiana Hoosier victory means. Indiana, all for you. Indiana, 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 we're all for you.
Yeah, I couldn't not play this song. I totally forgot to play this song. It's been that long, guys. It's been that You know what? I'm going to play it again. And yeah. And I sang it wrong both times. I'm sorry, guys. I've You know, it's been a while. It's been three games. It's been three games, and there was that whole week spread where I just didn't get to sing it at all. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, that, I'm so jacked now. Let's get back into the pod. Indiana was heading into this game, shooting a mere 61.3% from the free throw line in conference play. And in this game, hey, you know, uh, I, I said, I'm going to I'm gonna get the, the, the rough shit out of the way first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the stuff that wasn't that pleasant. You know, the stuff that really sucked. Okay, yeah, get into the injuries last of which, but Indiana came in 61.3 from the free throw line. In this game, they were able to go at home 14 for 22. 14 for 22 is a percentage of 63.6. Hey, guys, 63.6 is higher than 61.3. Let's call this progress. Heading into this game, Indiana was turning the ball over 17.5% of the time, meaning that our opposition is usually winning the turnover battle. In this game, it was no different as Iowa only turned the ball over three times compared to Indiana's 11. We saw the best in the hot start that the Hoosiers can get, that new rotation again. We saw them better on the boards, worse in free throws, worse in just as bad in free throws, just as bad in turnovers. But what was the worst part of this game, the most upsetting, was obviously the injuries. Malik goes down three minutes into this game, ending his night with two points, going one for one from the floor. It is a shame because Malik is just starting to get more and more eyes on him. He's getting more and more attention. He's getting more and more renown. He's getting more and more infamy around this conference, and... It, this is this is a I just I just pray that it isn't as bad as it looked. He it looked like it truly hurt him. It looked like it truly he was in a lot of pain following that right ankle twist. And it, yeah, it, as as awesome as it was to see Indiana get the win, this is a huge loss on the program right now. This is the if Malik Renew is out for a substantial amount of time, that is such a shame. Not only a shame for this season, what it what could have been for this season, but a shame for just his next season. What 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 he could have personally gotten rolling heading into the net into this coming off season get some more hype around him heading into his junior season it, yeah it's truly it it's heartbreaking and just as heartbreaking is x like xavier johnson's injury is just as heartbreaking and you know like x is a frustration to so many of so many within our fan base he is such a point of excitement for so many in our fan base when he's on he i mean it's it, been truly he's been responsible for some huge moments in assembly hall when it's been all clicking and that that has given people hope and uh it's it just with how his season has went to see it end, like possibly end with this left arm injury like he looked just like Malik he looked like he was in more than his fair share of pain and uh yeah I I, I wish we could have gotten a redemption a redemptive ending for Xavier Johnson's tenure here at Indiana. I'm always a romantic. I'm always going to look at the best times we had together. And Xavier Johnson has given us truly a lot over his time here in Indiana. So he, for better or worse, a lot of frustrations have arisen from how he has been some of the just, just the extracurriculars on the floor. I mean, there's no there's no knocking his passion for the game. He, he you can genu- he bleeds through him. And I, it is it is a very sad ending if this is how it ends. He was hoping that both of these guys are okay. I haven't heard conclusive facts and a doctor hasn't said anything mike woodson hasn't said anything so i'm not even gonna worry about it yet we'll cross that bridge when it comes with that out of the way i do want to talk about who did play well for us who did step their game up in secure indiana this win anthony leal this is the anthony leal game i'm not the only one saying this everybody's saying this this is the anthony leal game god do we hoosiers love anthony leal anthony leal i'm not even gonna say like his total production to this game his 13 points were huge we're huge 
he was able to bring that to the Hoosiers production and we desperately needed it. What was bigger than those 13 points were the effect that each one of them had on the game. Hoosiers love rooting on their guy. This is their hometown kid. This is the kid that stuck through two tenures who kept persevering with this program, who wanted to who who more than anyone has shown that he wants to rock the candy stripes. And it, the the pop that Assembly Hall was given every time they saw one of those little shots go in, that fueled everything. It fueled the defense, it fueled this team to victory. Like for usually in basketball, it takes a turnover to a basket, another turnover to a basket, a team-wide effort to get momentum, to shift the momentum of the game. For this game, it only took Anthony Leal making a bucket. And boy, he was making the buckets in this game. Four for six, three for four from deep. Not only that, just a guy who's everyone's like, oh, his physical limitations, just over the course of his entire tenure here. Seven rebounds, tied for second second most on the Hoosiers that game. Incredible stuff from a guy who just deserves every bit of the attention that this has given him. This today, tomorrow, you know, hey, Anthony Leal, you are a Bloomington King, sir, and that was a performance to be remembered for. 13 points, but man, dude, people score 13 points in Assembly Hall. I can tell you that nobody scored 13 points to that, that volume, to that amount of applause. And Anthony Leal deserves every bit of it. Who else deserves a ton of applause for their performance in this game? Kalel Ware. Kalel Ware just soldiering up, playing through the pain, just to be an integral part of this Indiana win. Kalel Ware ending his night with the team-high 23 points, five defensive rebounds, but what is more impressive are were, were his five offensive rebounds, including a few putbacks, just eight for 10 from the floor, made the only three-pointer he took. Tacking on all to that, yeah, I'm just reading his stat line, but it's a stat line worth reading. 10 rebounds, 23-point double-double with three blocks. That's what our seven-footer was bringing us, and we needed every bit of it with Malik Renew on the bench, and we're going to need every bit of it moving forward. However, pain, yeah, we will go as far as Kalel's ankle goes if anything substantial has happened to Malik Renew. So everyone out there, say your prayers for Malik Renew, say your prayers for Xavier Johnson, and say your prayers for Kalel's ankle. After, after Indiana's just historically impressive zero three points made in a game against Illinois. Talk about getting your shots up better. Like the Indiana tied the total amount of three pointers that they had taken in that Illinois game within the first nine minutes of this first half. And Indiana was also able to take better advantage from the three than Iowa. I I can't believe that I'm saying that for this season, but Indiana took better advantage from behind the line than Iowa. Iowa ends the night six for 22, shooting a 27% from the three-point line, Indiana 8 for 22, shooting 36.4. Indiana went punch for punch with a team known for shooting, known for fast offense, and Indiana won. Let's hope that that can fuel some confidence in this team. It can fuel some confidence in that backcourt. What can fuel some confidence is only Gabe Cups hitting the only three-point he took in this game. Again, that was a very loud three points, much like Anthony Leal's. The guys who were making the buckets mattered in this one. It just had the room electrified. Mackenzie Mbako, as I said before, we all saw his sick just inbound play off the back of who everyone is thinking is going to win Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Owen Freeman. Mbako just off the back and one mixtape stuff right there. 11 points for Mackenzie. It was on four for 17 shooting, unfortunately, but uh, hey, he made, he made two big threes. Again, you guys remember some of the stat lines Jalen was giving us last year? That dude would go one for nine some nights. One for He would go like three for 19 some nights. But man, there were some nights where he was going to go out there and win one for you. I need to see Mackenzie keep getting his shots up because we need him to get to the point where he can go out there and win one for you. What, what was fr- refreshing to see in just a moment I wanted to point out, when Anthony Walker blocked Perkins' attempt and hit the Matumbo on finger, I thought, man, this is what it felt like to watch a team having fun. Remember when we got to watch a team having fun? It was unbelievably refreshing to, <laughs> I mean, I, I just thought the Hoosiers looked like they were having more fun than they've had in quite some time. Despite the injuries, despite everything, 
Those guys were having a blast playing the sport they love. And it was great to see that again. What could possibly explain some of that was the bench finding some way to produce in this game. Indiana's bench with 20 points, again, in large part because of Anthony Leal's 13. But Anthony Walker being able to tack on four. Gabe Cubs, again, making that only shot he took was that three. Finally sinking that three in Assembly Hall. Indiana just erupts for him. Big, big production, big energy from the bench in this game. And just thank God we got it. Anthony Walker don't want to just push away. Like, he also had two blocks. Incredible. Absolutely what we need him to be able to do coming off the bench and much needed here. Indiana's defense was able to close out on Iowa shooters. I wasn't able to say that last season. I I definitely did not think I would be able to say it this season once we saw how Indiana was coming out of the gate with their defense. Holding them to 6-for-22 from behind the arc is to be commended. Of course, 12 of those attempts are Peyton Sanford. God, Peyton Sanford. Peyton Sanford. Last year, Peyton Sanford was 5-for-9 from deep. This year, he was 5-for-12. That dude loves sinking threes in Assembly Hall. (laughs) That, that, you know, 5-for-12 is okay, three-point shooting, but Five in each game, that's pretty impressive if you ask me. He's an, uh, he's still just my front runner for Big Ten Phil of the Year right now, which probably isn't fair because I think that for how he acted in the Indiana game of last season, still my front runner. Him and Tony Perkins tried to win Iowa this game, just Batman and Robin style. And Tony Perkins, credit to him, 22 points. He, he was he was getting loud with it. He was, he was putting some stank on those points. And uh, yeah, that just becomes more and more something that you see from these Indiana guys coming back. Tony Perkins, a Lawrence North product that both Purdue and Indiana slept on. He'd absolutely be an awesome piece to this team right now. It just seems like when players from Indiana play in Assembly Hall after being overlooked in recruitment by IU, they love to put a little stank on their performances here. And Tony Perkins nearly had the heroic effort necessary to steal this one from us. Last, last year, this Iowa game did stand out in my mind as a frustrating loss. A large part of that frustrating loss was the fact that last year in this matchup, Indiana shot 18.2 from behind the line, and that was last year's team. That was last year's team who I trusted so much more than this year's team to sink a three, which is saying something because I did not trust Indiana's team last year to sink a three. You know, Miller in the corner, you can count on those. But other than that, man, they were they were few and far between just in the way we played. But yeah, that frustrating loss last year came with 18.2 behind the three. This year's victory, 36.4. Let's go. This was a win that Indiana desperately needed. This, uh, you know, I said it was bittersweet because of the inter- injuries. Bitter injuries. Bitter, 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 bitter. Bitter injuries if Malik's out for any substantial time. Bitter injury if Xavier Johnson's career at Indiana ends that way. Sweet victory because the Hoosiers showed up, which they showed up and fought. And it's like, you can say, yeah, that's dumb. Oh, they fought in this game? No, you know what I mean. This Indiana team has had a very apparent lack of fight and just, you know, they're motivated. They're all motivated for their own reasons. But just uh, this program did lack, lack gumption. I'm using Indiana words like gumption. And they were able to find that gumption here. The good, the bad, and the ugly for this one. The good, let's go with Kalel Ware. Kalel Ware stepping up and uh, fighting through that pain, uh, being able to produce just an insane stat line. Again, 23 points, 10 rebounds, big-time double-double for a big-time performer, and the just incredibly, insanely good Anthony Leal. Anthony Leal's 13 points, each one meaning more than the last as Indiana was fighting in this game. His makes were the prime initiator for most of Indiana's more emotional and locked-in play. When Indiana needed some form of momentum in this game, on this day, Anthony Leal was able to provide some of, some of just that with his big shots that he was just converting on his way to a career high. The bad. The bad. I'm going to go ahead and say free throws, obviously. The free throws were pretty much season standard, which is bad, which is arguably downright ugly. But hey, sixty-three. like I said, 63 is above 61. We're creeping up there. <laughs> Slowly but surely, 
and the turnovers. Indiana's turnovers, tighten it up. Tighten it up, tighten it up. <laughs> the downright ugly, the injuries, obviously, the injuries. If Malik Renew is out for a substantial amount of time and he does not get to continue building up this momentum, this steam, this acclaim that he is starting to garner around the conference, that is going to be just such a shame for the excitement that it could have put on his season next year. Of course, he can still go out next year and just take it for himself, which I fully would expect him to do. But it would have been nice for, uh, you know, Malik Renew to be on the mouth of more and more of those uh, talking heads out there as they just make up these offseason stories as, honestly, we, me included, must do. And a, a, a downright ugly was X's. X wanted to get right. He wanted to get back in the good graces. And, I mean, he, he can. He still is. He, it's just so sad if this is how it ends. It is. For your show Walter Fish of the game, yeah, let's just get into it. Do you show Walter Fish of the game? Now, you know, if we're just going stat lines, it's Kalel Ware, 23 points, 10 rebounds. Yeah, but that's a, that's a typical Kalel night. That's a credit to Kalel Ware. I'm giving this show Walter Fish of the game, and I'm so happy to give it to Anthony Leal. Anthony Leal produced shots. He produced shots that produced momentum. This Indiana team was humming at several points throughout this game, and a large part, the, you know, fire starter for a lot of that, were usually Anthony Leal Puckets. Incredible to see that he's able to put a performance like that out there just with, you know, all the, all the bumps he took along the way. Nothing, nothing, you know, personal, but him just being able to ride it out with this program because he loves this program. It's just so commendable. <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm just, I, I love it. I love it because I love this team irrationally. <laughs> I can objectively identify that. And, you know, Anthony Leal, you just pull for guys like that who want to, who are seemingly here for all the right reasons. Never been more happy to give out this show Walter Fish of the game. To Anthony Leal. Let's get into some of the Indiana news. Before delving into the week of Indiana news, let's look at what Mike had to say of Malik and X. You know, this this just came out Tuesday morning or Monday. No, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. Per the best in biz, Jeff Rabjohns, Indiana coach Mike Whitson said, I don't know the severity of Xavier and Malik. They went out with what looked like some pain. If we have to wait on them, it's next man up. And yeah, that, it is my next man up. And you can't expect Anthony Leal to bring this every time, but man, it'd be sure nice if he could, as uh, we're going to need some men to show up. Last Monday, yeah, you guys were going back, because uh, it's been two games since the last recording, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm news dumping on you. Monday, your voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher discussed his comments made during the CJ flagrant foul against Wisconsin. The comments in which he had said, I've never said this before in my 51 years behind the microphone at Indiana University, but I'm embarrassed for this ball club, not because of the score. When elaborating on the comments Monday, Fish said, quite simply this, two situations like that in the last two weeks frustrated me. It frustrated me because these players have been told about this. They've been warned that you don't do these kinds of things. Every player gets that indoctrination when he comes to school, and obviously it's happening now twice. Granted, I didn't get to see the replay, the slow motion replay of CJ's situation. I didn't think that that was as egregious as I thought in the real time, but it still can't happen. A lot of people were like, yeah, Don, Don's going to speak his mind. A lot of people were like, what's he doing piling on these guys when they're already down? You know what? If somebody gets to say something about the Indiana Hoosiers, it is sure as hell Don Fisher. That dude's had a front row to this program. He is spectator one. He is patient zero for, <laughs> for fanatical Indiana basketball consumption, and he gets to he gets to say whatever he wants about this program. If he's embarrassed for this ball club, this team might have a reason to be embarrassed. Glad to see they tightened it up a bit. Not only at Illinois, they did tighten it up against Illinois again. That technical was just bullshit. But for sure against Iowa, we're figuring it out. This team, 
the growing pains were mighty painful. But uh, here's hoping that we're, we're, yeah, we're finally hitting that growth. On the latest episode of Ball from Assembly Hall, I do, I, I do love that show because Christian Watford and Derek Elston. I uh, watched them play while I was on campus supporting the team. Again, freshman season at the Watch Shot in person. Awesome. I, I really enjoy their show. You should go give it a listen if you haven't. Offers a nice, you know, player perspective of this team. And Christian Wofford talked about how he didn't think that our guys currently have an idea. You know, this was prior to the Illinois game, prior to Iowa. They just said that these guys don't have an idea about what this stuff means. And by this stuff, I just mean the Indiana program, meaning the, the heart and fire that Purdue was bringing to the game last week. Our guys just didn't have it. And Christian Wofford was arguing this. It's almost because they just don't understand what this shit means to people, what that game means to everyone supporting this team. Go, go, again, go check it out. Christian Christian elaborates on it uh, very well. Just his thoughts on these guys having to just understand what the, what it means a lot to us. It means a lot to me. I'm sitting here making this show, recording in my basement, you know, just shooting the shit into a microphone for anybody who else, you know, I, I'd like to listen to an Indiana podcast, so I make one. I, I, yeah. It means a lot. All that to say, yes, it means a lot. This team is supported just relentlessly in just every way you can imagine supporting a basketball team. And... And when I was listening to this episode, it was on the tale of the Wisconsin loss. And, you know, I'm, I'm down bad on this team for, for several reasons. And I was just thinking, man, it is, it is time to indoctrinate some of the lesser invested in this program. And I thought, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I, I, I'm pleading with the Indiana administration right now. If you get a transfer or an incoming freshman on scholarship for basketball, please, that fall semester, his first semester on campus, give him a one credit hour history class. A one-credit-hour history class. I took history classes at IU that were Spirit and Traditions of Indiana, where we just talked about old, cool shit around campus. Do that before the basketball program. Give them a, you know, just 10 o'clock Friday. You guys can meet at Cook Hall an hour before practice. You get a credit hour in history for it. Have them sit down and understand over the course of the first semester. Make it a 10-week course. You know, cram it in. Just what they really signed up for. What, what, what they are getting into come November. Make it happen. Pam, if you need somebody to teach that class, give me a call. Last Tuesday, the McDonald All-American selections were announced, and congratulations to future Hoosier Liam McNeely. He will be joining teammates Derek Queen and Cooper Flagg on the East roster. This year's matchup will be April 2nd at the Toyota Center in Houston. Credit to Mason Williams with HoosierNet and Rivals for pointing out that, quote, this is the first time IU has signed a McDonald's All-American game participant in at least three straight years since 2011-2015. Our current streak going would be Kalel Ware in the class of 22, Mackenzie Mbako in the class of 23, and Liam McNeely in the class of 24. So, yeah, I mean, one of them's a transfer, but we'll take it. That 2011 to 2015 was, of course, you know, Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell, Noah Vaughn, like James Blackman Jr., and Thomas Bryant. All pretty solid Hoosiers. They're like, honestly, reading that list now gives me faith for what what Liam McNeely could potentially bring when he shows up. I like that. I like that. Alex Alston, the number 101 recruit in the class of 2025, a 6'9", 170-pound forward from Chicago, is one of the better shooting forwards available in this class. He elaborated on his relationship with Indiana to 24-7 Sports this week when he told them, that relationship has been going well. I've been getting a lot of texts from them, and I got to make sure that I get out to one of their games soon. What I like about them is they'll show me a clip of a certain play and say, this is where they can use me. I'm not a one-trick pony. I'm not someone who's going to sit on the perimeter and just shoot threes, and they know that. They'll send me certain things, but it's all around. Per Joe Tipton, we got a ton of recruiting updates. Um, just, you know, who, who guys are currently talking to. Uh, this week we saw him mention Malachi Moreno, still in talks with Indiana, U, Indiana, Kentucky, Baylor, Notre Dame, and Iowa. We saw a top 30 recruit in the class of 2025. 6'2 combo guard Taylor Jackson. 
send his slew of names to quite a few. He's only made two visits, both Auburn and Maryland. And there is the number 13 recruit in the class of 2025, the 6'4 shooting guard, Trey McKenney, who is currently hearing from Indiana, Kansas, Notre Dame, UCLA, USC, Arizona, everybody. He's hearing from everybody, but did make sure to mention to Joe that he was hearing from Indiana. I, I'm just I'm just looking for any shooting I can get, and uh, that looks like a guy who can bring some shooting. In tandem with that, the number 26 overall recruit in the class of 2025, 6'4 shooting guard, Darius Adams, who has had an Indiana visit. Darius Adams is currently hearing from Indiana, Tennessee, Michigan, Michigan State, and Alabama. Lastly, just this last Wednesday, so just yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, Coach Woody and Coach Walsh stopped by Greenfield Central to get some FaceTime with four-star Braylon Mullins, class of 2025, 6'4 shooting guard who can shoot the hell out of the rock. He is currently ranked 65 on 24-7's composite. That's all I got for the Indiana news for you. Let's get into the conference news. A little bit of national news before getting into that conference news. Big Blue Nation saw the debut of Big Z since the time of our last recording. And I just wanted to bring it up because what you can't call him Big Z. You can't have everyone saying Zach Eady is just a big and not have him be the title of Big Z. It's a sad state of the program when I'm out here holding it down for a Boilermaker, but the Big Z title is between Purdue and Kentucky, the only other program I may wish more ill will on than Purdue. Big Z title is Zach Eady's. And even if... Even if he doesn't want it, even if nobody's going to like use it for him. You can't use it for anybody else because there's a bigger Z. Okay, yeah, let's give him that. Let's give Kentucky the title of Big Z. Let's give Zach Eady the title of uh, Biggest Z. Biggest Z. Yeah, yeah, Big Z and Biggest Z. Kentucky pissing me off. This guy plays one game and he's Big Z. And this is old news, but it has been since our last recording, and I wanted to just say, yeah, I think that Caitlin Clark flopped a bit. <laughs> I think that she was a heat-seeking missile for that one student. There's so much open land there, so so much room for... She navigates so much tight space on the basketball floor. She found that girl like Ed Reed finding a receiver in the flat. Just wanted to bring it up on the conference news. Monday, we saw Jeremiah Fears, bro- brother of Michigan State's Jeremy Fears, commit to Brad Underwood and the Illini. This is, this is a big get for Illinois to be able to keep this one at home. Again, this week, we saw Tom Izzo saying he's going to be trying to get Xavier Booker more minutes. He's going to consciously be trying to get Xavier Booker more minutes, and we still haven't seen more minutes for Xavier Booker. Per John Rossine this week, news. The Big Ten is planning to stay at 20 league games when UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington join the conference in 2024 to 25, according to a source. The Big Ten is also planning to have only 15 of its 18 teams in the Big Ten tournament starting in 2025. And the Big Ten has since released a statement on it. How do I feel about cutting that down to 15? I don't feel bad about it because the Hoosiers better never not be in it. Like, there would should be a riot if they are one of the last three teams in this conference when there are just everybody's in this conference. But it does take away from the magic of all of it. What's to say that team doesn't just, you know, shock the world? Of course, of course, a 15 beating the one in the title game, that is going to be shocking. That will, that will, that will be shocking. But, I mean, 18 beating the one? And 18 beating the one and, like, their only shot for the tournament? Of course, I wouldn't imagine that the 15's in the tournament without winning. But yeah, it's just, there is something to losing the aspect that everyone has a shot up until the last, up until the end of the season. Everyone's in contention for the title. What do I mean? Every, yeah, that's the case for everybody. Up until the end of the Big Ten tournament, like, everybody is in contention for a national title. Because you can win the tournament and you can get into the dance. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sad to see some of those fan bases could be just checked out even come that time. Even come the time when you just need to find an irrational level of confidence an irrational belief, because that's all you got in some seasons. And uh, yeah, it's a shame. 
In his return to Big Ten play last week, Terrence Shannon was given a possibly questionable when all is said and done standing ovation in Champaign. This week, we got to see his return to Big Ten away play as Northwestern fans let him hear it with chance of guilty and no means no. It'll be interesting to see uh, just what the rest of the insanely hostile environments they have like left on the schedule will throw at him. Not saying it's a good look one way or the other, but let, like, let me tell you, it is what it is. I, I, I remember a Hoosier crowd back when Appling and Draymond were in the building that we were just not letting up on Appling. I think he was, in, uh, he was hearing plenty of she said no chance, and yeah, it was pretty relentless. And yeah, it's just, it's hard to, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to condemn them one way or the other on that. Uh, yeah, just personally. That being said, I mean, Indiana was throwing it at somebody who... A Appling is currently serving 18 to 40 years for a second-degree murder of a 66-year-old man after being arrested in 2020 with uh, 19 grams of heroin. So maybe, I mean, maybe there was something to his. And, and you know what? Innocent until pr proven guilty, Terrence Shannon Jr. Yeah, 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 you just... It's what it's got to be. It's what it's got to be. Until he's proven guilty, he's innocent. This is pretty brutal stuff, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to condemn Northwestern for being a bunch of rowdy college basketball fans. Some of the results around the conference. Earlier this week, Roddy Gale Jr. and Evan Mahaffey each scored 16, leading the Buckeye production in Ohio State's win over Penn State and Columbus 79-67. Purdue rolled into Iowa and beat the Hawkeyes 84-70 as Zach Eady, the real big Z, the biggest Z, scored 30 and hauled in 18 rebounds. Five Huskers hit double digits in Lincoln as Northwestern took on Nebraska. Despite 24 points from Barnheiser, the Wildcats lose 69-75. Michigan State pulled out the two-point victory in Maryland, 61-59. Tyson Walker led the way for Sparty with 15 points and five rebounds in this low-scoring affair. Prior to beating the Hoosiers at home, Illinois hosted Rutgers, where they beat them soundly 86-63. Terrence Shannon with 16 points off the bench in his return to action. Wisconsin just barely edged out Minnesota in Minnesota last Tuesday, 61-59. As Tyler Wall led the Badgers, going 6-7 for seven from the floor for his 16 points on the night. That same day, Ohio State went to Lincoln and got beat decisively, as many Big Ten teams have in Nebraska this season, 69-83. Rink massed with an absurd 34-point double-double, as Ohio State had no answer for the Dutch destroyer. Rounding out last Tuesday's action was, was Purdue's whooping on Michigan, 99-67, as Zach Eady and Braden Smith both record double-doubles with Lance Jones adding the game's high of 24 points. I gained a little hope for Indiana's chances in Iowa, as Maryland was able to roll into Iowa and get the 69-67 win. Jameer Young and Tony Perkins were trading punches from the point guard spot, Young with 22 and Perkins with 20. Peyton Sanford 0 for 4 from deep as Fran had to be red in this one. Insane stat lines aplenty were in, the, were in the Illini game at Northwestern, the game in which Illinois had lost to the Wildcats just prior to taking us on. Northwestern got the 96-91 win. Each team had two players with at least 20 points in this high-scoring overtime battle. AJ Store dropped 28 points on the Spartans in Madison as Wisconsin beat Michigan 81-66 and have continued to prove to be in the top tier of the Big Ten teams right now. After Izzo said he'd get him more minutes, Izzo gave Xavier Booker six in this one, going two for three for five points in that six-minute span. Yeah, you got, this, this was a loaded one because I had so many games. Now are the results since the outcome of the Illinois game. Maryland shocked the entire conference with the ravaging they handed the Cornhuskers. Julian Reese posts... 15 points in an insane 16 rebounds as the Terps beat the hell out of Nebraska, 71-51 at home. Iowa rolled into the Chrysler Center to prove once again Michigan is in a freefall. As the Hawkeyes get the away win, 88-78, Peyton Sanford drops 26, and Tony Perkins adds 24 as the Hawkeyes went 8-16 for 16 from deep as a team. Despite backcourt maestro Elijah Hawkins limited with personal fouls, Minnesota was able to beat Penn State in hostile territory on the back of a 20-point outing from Dawson Garcia. Gophers with the 83-74 win.
Northwestern beat the hell out of Ohio State in Evanston with Ohio State shooting 23.8% from deep and Northwestern going 10 for 19 in their own right. Northwestern just entirely outclassed OSU to the tune of an 83-58 to win. Zach Eady became the sixth Big Ten player ever to record 2,000 points and grab at least 1,000 rebounds as Purdue beat Rutgers 68-60. Eady with the 26.12 rebound double-double. With their 75-87 to loss in Columbus, it seems like it could be three strikes and you're out for Chris Holtman as the Buckeyes are again falling far below where their talent should have them. The Buckeyes are now 1-6 over their last seven games, and it's looking bleak in Columbus for the Buckeyes. Damask and Shannon each dropped 23 apiece in this game. Now, after this word for our partner, I will get you into the preview of the Penn State game and then get you on out of here with a Hoosier history hit. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports. I will be having on the Penn State basketball representative for Big Banter Sports to recap the next game. And it's just being able to do that, being able to uh, now reach out to these other teams to uh, just have another voice on the show, <laughs> give, you, give you some more perspective than just my rambling thoughts. It, it's nice. I, I appreciate this partnership, and I'm excited for what's coming because I, I, I am working on a little roundtable thing with them. And, uh, yeah, it should be fun, should be interesting, should be something to uh, tide you over in the offseason whenever that may come. If you haven't followed them, follow them everywhere at Big Banter Sports. If you haven't followed me on all socials, it's everywhere, everywhere out there at Often Daunted. Wherever you have social media, at Often Daunted. Thank you. All right, next on the docket for the Hoosiers, Penn State at Indiana Saturday, February 3rd, noon on FS1. And I have to I have to just say this, this cannot be a letdown game. This Indiana team, whatever injuries may hamper this lineup next game, we, we need to be able to beat Penn State. We need to get this win at home. Penn State at home is in, like, we cannot lose this one. We, we need to get Big Ten wins where we can. This is one we can get. Here's hoping that our bench has a little confidence rolling into this and they're able to provide what they were in the last. Yeah, just here's hoping. <laughs> Penn State, in their first year after Shrewsbury's departure and Mike Rhodes taking the reins, is currently sitting at 9-11 and on the season with a 3-6 and record in the Big Ten. Before their matchup with Rutgers Wednesday, they had yet to win any home games on the season. At my time of recording, they are currently beating Rutgers 31-26 to with 18 minutes left in the second. Despite the unfortunate record for Penn State, Penn State still has some valuable wins. Their, their best win easily is their defeat of number six, Wisconsin, 87-83 on January 16th. Against that Wisconsin batter squad, Kanye Clary led the team by dropping 27 points to go along with four rebounds and three assists. Some of their other good wins, like I said, that was their best one. Some of their other good ones, 83-80 to victory at home over Ohio State. Now, I mean, how good is that one truly? Ohio State now 1-6 and six, um, in their last seven, now 13 months removed since their last true away win. Second, their third best win, I would say 74-51 to 51 victory at home over Moorhead State just because of that impressive point margin. And their fourth best one, 79-73 over Michigan. Again, Michigan, terrible team. So, well, I mean, I'll give them some credit for some of those wins, but absolutely whooped Moorhead when we were, we had a one-point game with them. So the real question when you're facing Penn State is Penn State's backcourt. Are they going to show up? In Penn State's win against Wisconsin, Ace Baldwin Jr., Kanye Clary, and Nick Kern Jr. combined to outscore their starting backcourt counterparts 62-33. to Kanye Clary averages the team's high with 18.4 points per game right now on 46% shooting from the floor. He's able to shoot the three, currently at a 38% rate, but he does most of his work getting going, getting downhill, and just getting to the basket on the drive. He, he does it pretty remarkably well considering he, his listed height of 5'11". Clary undoubtedly knows how to find a bucket when the Nittany Lions need one. And it will be of the utmost importance that Indiana's backcourt is able to keep their footing on getting faked on pumps 
because Clary will exploit the ready-to-jump characteristic of this Indiana defense at times. And they'll, they'll absolutely utilize the lack coverages to beat the Hoosiers' defense on quick drive after quick drive right after the Hoosiers leave their feet. Ace Baldwin Jr. fills out that backcourt averaging 13.2 points per game as well as 4.9 assists a game on the season. Where he can really make a difference in the game is defensively. With his ability to poke the ball away, he is currently averaging the Big Ten's best 2.75 steals per game. Ace Baldwin has brought much of the transition game that VCU has come to be known for with him when he joined Mike Rhodes on the journey to the Big Ten. And those points off turnovers can dictate the outcomes of close games. And the Hoosier backcourt will need to prioritize ball security here. I mean, just go figure. They're going to need to limit the turnovers. The, but, but they really will. Just elaborating on Penn State's turnover capabilities as a whole, like Ace Baldwin's incredible steal rates are just indicative of Penn State's 15.65 turnovers forced a game. That mark is currently best for the best turnover generated rate in the Big Ten. A turnover rate like that feeds into the fact that they currently have the most points off turnovers in a game for any Big Ten team with a, with 17 a game at this time. 17 points off turnovers a game. It's time for some real ball security. Passes must be delivered with intention if, if we just don't want Penn State to maximize the effects of their most fruitful aspect of the game. 6'11 senior forward Cutis Wayhab has really just started to find his footing at Penn State. Like he's a, He's a journeyman at this point. Georgetown, Georgetown, Maryland, back to Georgetown, Penn State. This is his fifth year. And he's, he's really the one to worry about in that Penn State front court. He is currently averaging 9.3 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, and 1.4 blocks, while also shooting the highest percentage from the floor than he had all throughout his career, whether it was at Georgetown or Maryland, currently shooting a 64.8% from the floor. Other than their ability to generate the turnovers to make great plays in transition, much like VCU has come to be known for, now that he's bringing that to Penn State, like that, that is the key to watch out for with this Penn State team in my personal opinion. Whatever the Hoosiers were doing, it's Anthony it was Anthony Leal in that game. I keep trying to look back. What were they doing? No, Anthony Leal was providing huge moments to provide some juice for this team. If that's what it means, if that's what it needs, it just needs more Anthony Leal, I guess. It'll be interesting to see how the Hoosiers are able to cut down on the turnovers, um, how the Hoosiers are able to limit Penn State's ability to gut us in that category to an irreparable level. I truly believe Indiana needs to win this game. I truly believe Indiana will win this game. My prediction for this game is a 75. No, they like to run. Well, let's go uh, 82-74 win for the Hoosiers. I'm always going to pick the Hoosiers. Like, this could be Purdue. And I'm, I'm somehow going to talk myself into picking the, <laughs> the Hoosiers despite watching this Purdue team whoop this Indiana team by 21 points. But I'm feeling good about Saturday. I feel like despite the injuries, despite what that may entail for the season, that was a that was a high for the Hoosiers this last game. There's a lot of emotion in the building, and that can carry and just a win after three losses will carry this fan base to Saturday, and the fan base will show up, and that that building's going to be loud as loud as it is always. So I, I have confidence in the Hoosiers in Assembly Hall. Let's get on to that Hoosier History Hit. This is your Hoosier History Hit. For your Hoosier History Hit this week, I wanted to talk about the black market. It was 1968, fall, and there was a grad student named Clarence Rollo, nicknamed Rollo Turner, who worked in collaboration with the African-American students and faculty to open a new store in, in Bloomington. This store was to be close to campus on Kirkwood Avenue, and the black market opened selling books, clothing, records, artwork, and other crafts made in Africa or by African Americans. Rollo's vision for this store was uh, less as a profit-making venture and more of a place for African American students to 
congregate to have a place unique for them. And throughout campus, of course, throughout campus, this was widely supported. But it was amongst the Bloomington residents that the black market was more of an eyesore for them, for their racist, racist, racist eyes. Soon after that fall, when the store opened, uh, Rollo Turner reported receiving several threatening phone calls. And there was also the editor of the IDS who was visited by a KKK member who wanted to uh, shut down the unfavorable press regarding the KKK's outlook on the black market. These calls would continue, these threats would persist, and it would ultimately culminate on the morning of December 26, 1968. Can't even make it through a season. Can't make it through a semester. On this morning, December 26th, the day after Christmas, the black market was firebombed. The whole store was destroyed. Eyewitness reports were that a white male was seen throwing a burning container through the window and driving away, leaving little doubt that this crime was racially motivated as the black market was the only business that was affected. This reverberated through the community, just making racial tensions just at an all-time high. And during a speech outside the charred remains of the black market, Turner on January 10th spoke to a crowd of students saying that from here on out, black students were going to, quote, live by the law of God, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. End quote. Ultimately, no violence resulted from this rally, resulted from this uh, call to action, but it was welcomed by the administration as a call for change. The administration saw in it larger strides had to be taken to end discrimination or things would get worse for everyone. This incident in particular ultimately forced the city of Bloomington to recognize that violent racism was still very much alive in their part of Indiana, and it could not be ignored. As a result of this, two local men, both KKK members, were arrested, tried, and found guilty of the firebombing. A third man, a Grand Dragon in the regional KKK. Again, Grand Dragon is the dorkiest name ever. Bunch of dorks. Although various groups collected money to help Turner pay for the loss of the goods in the store, the black market was never reopened. And there's your Hoosier history hit. Not a fun one, but a piece of Bloomington history that is very important. Thank you so much for listening to the Often Taunted Podcast today. I cannot appreciate you guys enough for giving me the listen. If you are subscribed, I cannot appreciate it enough. Again... <laughs> Thank you so much for giving me the listen. I will be back to you following the Penn State game with a recap with Noah Odij of the Cutting Down the Nits podcast. You know, get it? Cutting Down the Nets, Cutting Down the Nits, Nittany Lions. And uh, yeah, it should be a good time. So uh, hope you can tune in for that. Thank you so much. God bless you and yours, Hoosier fans. You have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the win. It was a tough three games. We got the win. Let, let's celebrate when we can. Looks at Veritas. Go Hoosiers. Down with the Nittany Lions.